there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about seeking Jesus on deeper theological levels, because he is worthy of all of our devotion. I'm Pastor Vinny, and I am so excited to be back with Season 2 of Simply Devotion. The good news about Season 2 is that you don't have to have listened to Season 1 to catch up with us in Season 2. Every season is a little bit new. Season 1 is in the archives if you want some extra podcasts to fill up your days and nights. As for Season 2, let's get at it. Welcome to Season 2 of Simply Devotion, where we like to look at a deeper theological look of Jesus. This season, we're going to be all talking about the real world of Jesus. Where does he come from? What was his world like? What was his culture? I'm really happy that Jonathan Martin has decided to join us in season two as my partner in crime, my co-host, and me and Jonathan go back quite a long time, so we should have a great rapport. Jonathan, say hello and tell us what we should know about you. Hi, everybody. Uh, Just Vinny, I want to just say thank you for the opportunity to be uh, a co-host with you for this season. Um, You know, if there's one thing I love talking about, it's Jesus. And so what better opportunity to talk about Jesus than, than season two? Me too. We should have some great conversations here. Tell us a bit more about yourself, Jonathan. As far as uh, what to know about me, Vinny and I, we went to the same uh, college, uh, university. Uh, We both got the same degree, a bachelor's degree uh, in theology. I moved on uh, to Andrews. Actually, I think Vinny went to Andrews as well. Uh, And and so, um, you know, I got my my master's of divinity degree currently, hopefully trying to finish up my uh, doctor of ministry uh, degree. Um, I've got a, you know, a couple chapters or so in my uh, dissertation to write. I am uh, a teacher, although I am an ordained minister. I pastored for uh, close to nine years. I was a associate pastor. I was a youth pastor, and I decided I wanted to work with young people even more closely. And so I left uh, pastoring to uh, talk to middle schoolers about Jesus. And so I am now uh, a middle school Bible teacher uh, at Forest Lake Education Center in here in uh, the Orlando area. Nothing will keep you on your toes more than talking to middle schoolers about Jesus. It is quite the experience. There's really no other experience like it, not in pastoring. You know, there's just something about middle schoolers, the energy, the questions, the comments that they make, it totally keeps you on your toes. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like if I can talk to them about Jesus, this podcast should be a piece of cake. Well, it's definitely going to be a plus for our our younger listeners. They can uh, have someone that they can relate to and think about as being a former youth pastor and and, and now uh, academy teacher. 
Uh, do they get to call you Dr. John yet, or or, or how's that work? So uh, my students call me all sorts of things. Uh, they're they're kind of confused at uh, what to call me. Yeah, I think I one one student calls me uh, Professor Dr. PJ, um, and and so Professor Doctor and then PJ stands for Pastor Jonathan. Uh, so it's Professor Dr. PJ, but I also have uh, some students they call me Mr. Martin. Some people call me Pastor Martin. Some people call me Pastor Jonathan. Uh, some some call me PJ. You know, just the initials for for Pastor Jonathan. So you know, I I go by all sorts of names at the school, and at the end of the day, it's whatever they feel comfortable calling me. I'm okay with it. I'm not. I'm not. I've never been one for for titles. So whatever you call me, that's good. But I'm already pretty partial to Doctor Professor PJ. I mean, like that's just like I would have all the years I've known you. I would have never thought to call you Professor PJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I have one student that calls me that. Uh, it hasn't caught on probably because it's really long. But that's what she calls me every day. She comes into my classroom, Doctor Professor PJ. I, I like the idea that you're reaching out to these kids and you're working with these kids and you're teaching uh, younger younger disciples about about Jesus. And, and just for my listeners who may not have picked up on what you're doing, you're not just like teaching middle school, you're teaching theology in, in middle school, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the curriculum is designed to be very, you know, biblical, you know, we do biblical exegetical studies, but we also bring in theological studies, you know, we ethical, you know, studies, uh, you know, we, we kind of run the gamut as far as, as uh, the topics that we're covering. But yeah, it's, you know, a lot of the stuff that I learned in college and that I learned in seminary, you know, yes, I'm having to distill it and, and make it uh, into a digestible form for for young minds, but no, we're doing actual biblical exegesis and theology. We don't use those terms, uh, but that's what we're doing. You know, we're doing exegesis and we're doing theology with middle schoolers. Absolutely, that, that is awesome. So, so you know, because not all my listeners would be familiar with this idea of, of religion being taught in school. You're 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 teaching in a in a in a private school, a religious yeah. private school, and you're teaching basically theology to to middle schoolers. Yeah, you know, some people say middle school, some people say junior high. Um, okay, you know, junior high see, is the term I know. Yeah, so you know, seventh and eighth grade is is what I'm teaching. Awesome. Awesome. So, Jonathan, I know you know we've talked about this and we've been planning our season, you know, off off podcast. And we're, we're going to be looking at the real world of Jesus, the real person of Jesus, the the real culture of Jesus, who who Jesus was as compared to like sort of maybe the mystical Jesus or the cartoon Jesus that, you know, my son, who's eight, loves Superbook. You know, not necessarily the super book Jesus, um, or, or like even a caricature. I think is what yeah, the caricature, right? Yeah, caricature of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Which, 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 sadly, not only sometimes comes out in cartoon versions of Jesus or other other teaching forms, but even in pulpits, you know, and and maybe even in our minds when we read our Bibles. You know, I'm sure you find this with your students. I know I find this 
in my church, you know, people sometimes read their Bible, but they don't really get the full understanding of who Jesus was. And if you can't understand who he was, how will you understand who he is? Yeah, I, I, I get this all the time uh, in middle school. You see, when, when students start turning into teenagers, um, they start thinking that they know everything. And so we have students who, you know, they've gone to church their whole life. They've, um, you know, they've gone to church school, you know, they've been taught the Bible since kindergarten, you know. And so we get to seventh grade Bible and we're talking creation or we're talking a, a unit on on seeing Jesus. Um, and, and, you know, they kind of get to a point where where they think they know everything and they're just like yeah we've heard this before why are we studying this and you know uh you know this is you know i've been hearing about jesus all my life and i'm like okay but which jesus you know mm. what what jesus have you been studying your whole life what jesus do you think you know and that's usually how i introduce our units on Jesus, and because we do do several units on Jesus himself, and uh, and the introductory unit that we do is is trying to remove those glasses that we've had our entire life about Jesus, and let's try to understand him more clearly. Let, let's try to see who Jesus actually is, and we do that by deep Bible study understanding who Jesus is, where he lived, where he was from. And actually one of the projects that I make the students do is a, a myth buster project where nice. they research myths about Jesus, stuff that they already know, uh, you know, or they think they know, and it's actually a myth, you know. Of course, students always try to hit on the myths that they think that they already have busted. And then I, I kind of push them to go deeper and say, no, 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 you're, you're, you're still taking this too shallow. Let's get deeper. Let's try to understand Jesus better here, because there's a lot out there about Jesus some of it is true. A lot of it is not. And so we, we've created a picture in our mind about who we think Jesus is. And yet, if we actually take the time to get to know Jesus better for who he actually is, he blows us away. And we can't help but falling deeper in love with him by wanting to know him better and to follow him and, and, and have the confidence that we're placing our trust in the right person. And that's exactly what we want to do and capture in season two of Simply Devotion. We want to capture this real Jesus, take away the myths, take away the storybook Jesus. He was good when we needed storybooks. But as Paul would tell us, there's a time when we have to put away childish things, right? Yes. So we want to put away our simplistic understandings of Jesus and think a little bit more deep because I get the same thing as a pastor. I get like, pastor, I've read the Bible my whole life. You're not going to teach me anything new about Jesus. And I like that kind of like just breaks my heart. I mean, yeah. because I'm enrolled in a doctorate program. If I go or not, John, I haven't decided, but, <laughs> but I'm enrolled. Yeah, I have multiple degrees. And every time I open my Bible, I learn something new about Jesus. Yes. So how can our students, how can our, our church members, how can whoever hears this podcast through Twitter, you know, how can they not learn something new about Jesus all the time, right? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I tell, I tell the student, my students all the time. I'm like, guys, I learn stuff. Like I've taught this last year and I'm teaching it again. And I'm learning as I continue to teach the same exact topics. Like Jesus is so deep and so wide and so large that that there is no possible way that we can wrap our mind completely around who he is. But what I can do is know him better every day. Exactly. Right? And, 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 and that happens through deep Bible study, uh, but not just study of what the Bible actually says, but study about the time of Jesus and, and, and who Jesus was as a person and, and, uh, you know, things like that, you know, there's so much to Jesus than just what's actually written in black and white, right? So, there's, there's yeah. way more to Jesus. One of the questions I'm often asked, you know, because in my ministry, I both intersect with church people and I intersect with people all over the internet and actually ironically made a lot of atheist agnostic friends. And I, I use that word in a, in a broad sense because I am their friend if they're my friend or not, <laughs> um, you know, and, and with some agnostics and some atheists, you can have different kinds of friendships. Like recently I started a friendship with someone who, you know, they totally respect me, even though they disagree. And then I have some others that see it differently. We get into these discussions. And one of the questions I'm often asked by this particular group of people is, was Jesus a real person or even an assertion to me, that he was not a real person. I don't know if you have run into that or what are your thoughts? Was Jesus an actual historical person? Yeah, um, I, the short answer to that is yes, right? <laughs> Jesus was an actual person. He walked on planet Earth. You know, he had flesh and blood as real as you and me, right? And and he spoke spoke words, he said things, he taught things, he had followers, he was an actual, real, legitimate person. And, um, and so that's not just the church's opinion? No, it, it actually is not. Um, if we, uh, yes, the most information we have about Jesus is the Bible, which a lot of people would say is, you know, a church thing, okay, and maybe even biased, right, because, you know, the Bible is obviously painting Jesus in a good light, but right. even outside of the Bible, we have historical evidence of the existence of a person named Jesus who had a following that eventually became the Christian uh, church, right? So, uh, for example, and, and when we, by the way, we have Jews uh, and Romans who are saying this, okay? Uh, for example, uh, one, one person that you can ignore, and whether you like him or you don't like him, you know, he's there, he exists, we have his documents, and that's Josephus. Yeah, uh, good old Josephus. <laughs> yes, uh, Josephus uh, was a Jewish uh, historian, and he refers to Jesus in two of his books. Uh, the first book uh, was called uh, Jewish Antiquities. And in Jewish Antiquities, he's actually talking about James, who was a follower of Jesus. And he refers to him as the brother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 
right? right. So he he's he's using what we would call Christian language, right, to right. describe to describe uh, Jesus, uh, brother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And in another book, uh, Testimonium uh, Flavianum, I believe it's it's called, he describes uh, a man who i.e. Jesus, who did surprising deeds and was condemned to be crucified by Pilate, right? Right. So, um, by the way, he mentions that he did surprising deeds, which kind of lends itself to the miracles. idea that Jesus did miracles. He he did things that a normal person didn't do, right? And this is a Jewish person who had no interest in following Jesus, but he's writing down these things. He's referencing this man that existed, right? Who was um, a brother of a guy named James and he was called the Messiah and he did surprising things, right? And that's just one guy, right? One right. ancient Jewish guy who's mentioning Jesus. But then we also have Romans who mentioned Jesus in their writings. Um, and we have the Roman Senator uh, Tacitus uh, and he uh, he mentions um, that Christians were followers of Christus, right, which is Christ right, in Christ. Latin, yep. right? So he mentions that Christians were followers of Christus, and he was put to death by Pontius Pilate. So now we have the Bible talking about this Jesus getting put to death by Pontius Pilate. We've got Jewish writers saying that Jesus was put to death by Pontius Pilate. And we've got Roman historians saying that Jesus was put to death by Pontius Pilate, right? And, and so they're linking Jesus to an actual historical person, right, who experienced things, right? He, so, oh, and by the way, Tacitus is a great source because as a historian, if he was to write down information that he thought maybe was a little faulty or maybe embellished, he would actually write that in yeah. his works. He would write, hey, this is, you know, some people are saying this. We're not yeah. sure if it's, he would actually say that. And yet he doesn't say that about Jesus. So we know that Jesus existed, that people could research Jesus and discover Jesus um, through through history. Yeah, great, great points. Recently, I just found out about Tactus. Uh, I brought him up in a, in a class I was teaching and someone pointed out to me that that Tactus is where we get the the English word for for um, um, tactic. You know, the, the idea of a strategy, <laughs> it actually comes from his name. <laughs> it was it was a military was a, person who pointed that out to me. <laughs> yeah, he was a great, he was a great historian. He right, was he's an authority, right, he's an authority past this issue, right? So he's not something the Christian church is just dragging in because he has our opinion. He's, he's a vast historical source regardless of what he says about Christos. Right. So a lot of people would say, uh, I don't want anything from the Bible because, you know, the Bible's biased. Well, here I've given you two examples of non-Christians who have no interest in being followers of Jesus, and yet they're mentioning him. So we can, we're fairly sure, uh, we can, we can be very sure that Jesus was an actual person. He existed. He wasn't invented. He's not some sort of legend. He was an actual person that that people knew. Right. And, and so the two sources that you've brought up are really cool for people to think about, because if there were two groups of people, I mean, there are only so many people interacting with Palestine, but if there were two groups of people who have an agenda 
to discredit the existence of Jesus, it would one be the Jews who are are charged with provoking his death, and two be the Romans, <laughs> right? Who actually did the deed according to history. So if there were two people who would be tried to like discredit either his existence or or his you know crucifixion it, it it would be both of those people but as you've pointed out the two most likely people who would want us we would think from a human point of view not to believe in Jesus becomes the evidence for believing in a historical Jesus right yeah if anybody had a reason to try and make Jesus disappear it was these two people but right. the reality is is that they couldn't write Jesus away mm-hmm. right they had to explain Jesus away right which is different than than saying that he's not real since they can't hide Jesus historically they tried to change the narrative right 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 you know um they had to deal with the reality that Jesus existed and so they had to explain why he wasn't the messiah why he wasn't the christ right that which is a totally different conversation than whether or not jesus existed so we know that jesus existed right so with secular people that's kind of the conversation that i get into with them i get into like okay you you can you can argue if jesus was the son of god and if he rose from the dead for me as a christian there's no argument in that but from a secular historical point of view, you could argue that what you can't argue is that there was a guy called Jesus of Nazareth who lived in Palestine, who people believed was the Messiah, who the Romans put to death. Like these are historical facts that cannot be, you know, diffused easy. I think Tamad as well mentions Jesus. And the Tamad meant for those who don't know what the Tamad is, it is a, a written version of the oral traditions of the Jews. The Tamad calls him a sorcerer. <laughs> and, and the reason it calls him a sorcerer is because probably miracles again, right? Like, right. And why would you say something like that if people didn't already know that there was a man named Jesus who did pretty amazing things, right? You know, so they have to explain that, right? right? They're not they're not writing him away, right? They're explaining him away, saying, "Oh, he was a sorcerer." <laughs> of right. Course, that opens up a whole nother can of worms, right? Sure. Um, because it still assumes this idea of you know supernatural, I should say, right? So it, it you know so that is also something that um, you know you have to explain, right? So. You can't get away from the historical Jesus. Jesus existed. Right. Right. It, right. It's, it's an attempt to slander him um, rather than deal with him. Yeah. And and so we we run into those sort of things. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty clear that he was a real historical figure, that he lived in Palestine, that you know, he was a person and and on top of like so Tactus, uh, Josephus, um, there's a few other Romans in there. Uh, that we haven't mentioned, we'll get, we'll, we'll probably bring them up in another podcast episode. Um, there's a Tamad, but then there's also the church fathers and, and, and early Christians and how fast Christianity grew in the Roman empire. And, you know, we'll unpack that throughout the season as we talk about different things. I think particularly when we talk about the origins of the gospels, we'll, we'll get into some of these things, but he was a historical person, but then the question becomes, okay, we've established he's a historical person, 
is that like the person of Jesus I have in my mind? You know, you know, the, you know, every picture I see of Jesus, he's like Fabio, you know, he's got these <laughs> incredible pecs and this six pack going on and this flowing hair in, in the background. And, you know, these, these crystal blue eyes, you know, what was Jesus like, you know, and I, I know I have a whole episode in season one, which people should go back and check out. I think it's episode number nine. Yep, just looking it up now. It is episode nine. That would be season one, episode nine. And its title would be A Deeper Look at the Background of Jesus. So you can go back and absolutely check out that episode where I go really deep into the background of Jesus. But but let's talk about that aspect of Jesus for a minute. Yeah, you know, again, when we do come to the conclusion that Jesus existed, right? We, we now have to think about what was Jesus like? And yeah, there's a lot of pictures out there. I mean, all you got to do is go onto Google, type in Jesus, click on images, and you get all sorts of ideas of what Jesus was like. And by the way, this is something that I do with my students. You know, I, I have them just type in Jesus in Google and, and to, you know, pick 10 pictures that right. they like, right? And, and then we start interpreting those pictures and we start trying to say, okay, what are these pictures telling us about Jesus? And yeah, we've got the really ripped Jesus with the muscles and, and then we've got more of a comical type of a, of a Jesus. And then and uh, we've got pictures of, of uh, you know, some Jesus are, are really, really white. You know, we've got we got pictures of, of Jesus who looks more, more, you know, black. And, and so we've got like all these different interpretations of Jesus. And, and, and so now we've got to get to, all right, now we know Jesus existed. So what was he like, right? And there's one thing that we have to understand is that Jesus was different from us, right? We are literally separated from uh, Jesus by 2000 years. So that alone is gonna make us very different from Jesus, right? Jesus lived in a, a different country. He lived in a different continent, right? Uh, he spoke a, a different language. He um, he practiced a different religion than a lot of us uh, you know, practice. Um, Jesus ate different food. Than, than what we do here in the United States, okay? McDonald's did not exist when Jesus was walking the earth. Right? Jesus Hamburger. didn't do fast food? <laughs> Actually, no, <laughs> right? Uh, but, you know, he, he lived in a different kind of house than what we would normally think of as a house today, right? He used different money. He, he lived under a, a different government. He, uh, and because of that, he lived uh, with different laws, right? So was, was, he, he was a Republican though, right? Uh, no, that didn't exist when Jesus was walking on. The so, so, earth, so you're right? saying he's a Democrat? <laughs> no, again, uh, that didn't exist, right? Uh, you know, right. actually, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a whole to episode Jesus, on that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have yeah, exactly. We're gonna have to decide. You know, was was he a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a Zealot? Right? You know, right. it was totally different types of political parties at the time of Jesus, right? Um, so again, right, we can't even. We can't even make Jesus a Republican or a Democrat because that's how different he is from us, right? Um, he, the clothes that he wore is different. I think you did an episode, right? Your episode. Right, right, right. Actually, like, when I did the episode on that, a lot of that I took uh, from a book that you actually recommended to me um, called uh, What Did Jesus Look Like from Joan Taylor. 
And by the way, I would say that to anyone listening, if they're interested in finding out, like she gets into the the ideas about what his hair was like and and what his beard was like, which is not what we believe to be true, right? Yeah. Um, we believe he had this long flowing hair, which culturally would not have been. And as I pointed out in the podcast I did last season, that people can go back and check out in season one, episode nine, which I encourage them that people can go back and listen to if they'd like. If Jesus had long hair, him and Paul are going to have to have a conversation at some point. Because <laughs> Paul has some things to say, right? right? So Jesus, his appearance is not even the way we sometimes imagine it. He probably didn't have long hair. Again, the Apostle Paul said long hair was shameful in the time of the Jews. Not saying he did or he didn't, but Paul raises an interesting question, which we do explore in my past episode. But even the way Jesus dressed is probably not really the way we see him in our paintings. I mean, it is good that we have him in robes and he was likely wearing robes, of course, but they would not have been colorful. They would not have been bright. They wouldn't have been scarlet. Such things in the ancient world cost a lot of money. Even dye costs a lot of money in the ancient world. So his clothing wouldn't even have really been white either or scarlet or purple as we see as signs of royalty that people often paint him in. They would have been plain and grayish. The color of wool in the ancient world, yes, wool is white, but quickly dirty in a desert-like ancient world. So we have all sorts of misconceptions on many levels about his appearance so so with all these things like he lived in a different land he ate different food he looked different than the character that we have built of him how can i know this jesus what what was this jesus like as a person what was he like as you know a rabbi he was a rabbi teacher yeah. yeah right you know um in order to begin to unpack who jesus was we've got to dive deeper right into uh first century palestine right and we've got to understand what did the average person do right this was an agrarian society which means that they grew their food they raised animals right um and and yeah there's people who do that today and those people may have a little bit more of an insight on that part of jesus's life than, than those of us who grew up in the city you know but all of these factors play a role you know this idea of sowing seeds and reaping you know um jesus uses that in his in his teachings and so um jesus was a, a man of his time and he did, he embraced his culture and and so if we want to understand Jesus we got to understand his culture we have to understand uh what life was like when Jesus walked this earth um and we can do that you know there's multiple sources that we can use obviously we can we can look at history right and we can read what history tells us about a certain place and a certain time right um but language is also a place that we can look to 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 understand you know language carries with it cult the culture 
of its time of the place that it comes from you know so we got to look at the language of jesus so jesus didn't speak in king james speech sorry to break it to you <laughs> no he did not uh, right right he didn't even speak i mean he may have, i he, i'm sure he could read hebrew and speak hebrew but that was not the street language no no in palestine right no, it wasn't. It was uh, Aramaic, um, was the language that J Jewish people use, commonly used. Uh, but then you have um, the the Greek language, which was what, what, what was what historians would call the, the lingua franca, which was, you know, kind of like the right. language you did business in, you know. Um, and so it's very likely that Jesus knew a little bit of Greek, you know, similar to how people in other countries know a little bit of English. So that right. because in our globalized economy, right, you got to have some sort of common language and it generally is English, you know, in our world today. Well, in, in Jesus's world, that was Greek. But then you also have Latin, which is the, the language of the Romans. And of course, the Romans were the ones in charge. And so, you know. So it totally makes sense to me why Pilate, you know, as we, when we read the Christian traditions of Jesus, Pilate put the plaque over the cross in three different languages. Yeah. Saying that he was the king of the Jew, right? He put it in Latin, Greek, and and Hebrew, was it? Or Aramaic? Uh, Hebrew, uh uh, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. Right. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So those were like, so his languages were, he probably knew a little bit of several languages. I like that idea. I think you're, you're, you're right in that. Aramaic. He may not have been like proficient at all the languages, but he would have known enough to at least make himself understood. You know, similar to I go to, you know, there's certain ingredients um, that I can only find at a certain Latin food store. Right. And so when I go into that Latin food store, you know, everything is written in English and in Spanish. Right. right. Uh, why would they do that? Because people who speak English go to that store and people who speak Spanish go to that store. So when they put a sign above Jesus's cross. Right. Why would they do it in three languages? Because people who speak all three of those came together in the same place. Right. right. So, um, again, that makes sense when we understand the, the history of the time, the culture of the time, the people of the time. That's how we understand Jesus, by diving into information that exists outside of the Bible, because the Bible was written assuming that people knew that information. And so because the Bible was written, assuming that people knew this information, then those of us who are separated by 2000 years in a totally different continent, in a different, you know, country, you know, we got to, if we want to understand Jesus deeper and better, then yeah, we got to, we got to under, you know, we got to dive into some of those details. I love it. Right. I love yeah. diving into those details because because then I get a better idea of who my best friend Jesus is. Right. And it just blows me away. You know, uh, something as simple as, for example, uh, the parable of the lost coin. OK, by the way, parables 
almost all the parables of Jesus, the best way to understand them is by understanding the culture of Jesus, right? Because Jesus is drawing from everyday life. Right. And, and, uh, and so if we really want to understand the parables, we got to understand the life and times of Jesus. Um, right. And, and that parables, parables were the major way that rabbis taught. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the reason they taught that way was because they're they're basically pulling these object lessons from the life of the people, uh, something that they could relate to, something tangible. And so uh, in the parable of the lost coin, right, Jesus introduces us to this woman who is just going absolutely insane looking for a lost coin. And you and I would probably sit back and be like, really? Like, I've never spent that much time or that much energy looking for a penny or a quarter, right? As a matter of fact, you know, there was a time when you could go to anybody's living room couch and find just change that was left behind in those couches, right? right? And, um, And it's not something that we would like spend time searching for, right? You know, it's just coins. It's not that valuable, right? Why is this lady searching so hard for this coin? Well, when we dive into the life and times of Jesus, into his culture, we we realize that when Jesus was alive uh, and people got married, there was oftentimes a dowry involved. And a dowry is a price that uh, a man would pay to marry a, a woman. And yes, it was kind of this inheritance that she received. But instead of putting it in a bank somewhere, they would actually wear it almost like jewelry, and they would they would weave it into some sort of headdress, or right. um, or, or they would wear it on their body in some way, maybe as a necklace or something. And so um, it's almost kind of like what today would be a wedding ring, right, or an engagement ring. And mm-hmm. so when she loses a coin, right that maybe fell off of her headdress or fell off of her necklace, right? Right. It's it's almost like you're saying she lost her wedding ring or a part or the diamond from the engagement, right? She has the diamond, but she lost, you know, she she has the ring, but she lost the diamond, right? right? And so now we begin to understand why she is so furiously trying to find this coin because it's more than just the value of the coin. This coin represents her marriage, Right. It represents this union that she has with this with with her husband. And so, of course, she's looking for this coin. That's why she goes later and she celebrates with people when she finds it. And that's why other people would celebration is probably worth more than the coin. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but again, how many of us celebrate when somebody finds a a penny? Right. Like if somebody were to call you and say, guys, let's let's go out to eat tonight because i found my coin you're gonna be like get out of here that's not not a reason to celebrate yeah yeah and and again when we just read our bibles very surface like and you know and and we're that kind of person that's just like well i've read this parable a hundred times you know you're not going to teach me anything new about this parable you know i you know we we're missing that cultural connection that you're talking about I remember when I was uh, visiting Israel and I was walking in the, the mount where Jesus gave the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Beatitudes. And I remember, you know, we were there in the springtime, which is a unique time to be in Israel. 
because Israel is mostly a desert <laughs> and there's only a few, a few months of the year that it actually grows stuff. Um, and so we're on the Mount of Beatitudes at the time of year when things are actually growing. And, you know, when you talk about the parable of the sower and the seed falls here and it's choked out by the weeds or it falls here and it doesn't find good soil to land in or it falls here and it, and, and it you know, and you look down at the ground as you're walking across these mountains and that's exactly what the ground was like. And had I not seen that with my own eyes and, and literally saw flowers and plants trying to grow up amongst the rocky grounds in Israel <laughs> and and push up like wheat trying to push up through beautiful flowers to to survive you know it even brought back the the, the parable of the tares right the the wheat the tares because you could see them growing together like they weren't the crops weren't in like lines like we would think about them in American produce, you know, f- factory produced uh, gardens. You know, you had wheat and and tree brushes and flowers all trying to compete for the p- same piece of mountain. Right. <laughs> and, and you can see like this is where and how Jesus is drawing these these parables out of. And, you know, if we're just going to keep really too simple with the Bible, we're not going to understand the culture that he lived in and we're not going to understand what he's saying to us or maybe well we can get a superficial understanding because there are elements to the gospel elements okay. to to the teachings of Jesus that we can grasp that are that are you know multicultural right we can all understand you know on a surface level a basic meaning um, but if you want richness to the teachings of Jesus, if you want depth to the teachings of Jesus, you got to dive into these things because otherwise, you know, yeah, we're getting a superficial understanding. And that's when you run into people who are like, yeah, I know it. I've heard it all. I, I get it. I've, I've understood Jesus my whole life, right? The people who say that are the people who are just at a surface level understanding. They're just they're they're just about the basics, but right. there's more to Jesus than the basics, right? But I would say that even in just the basics, just the basics, you know, like like you said, you can get some things. It's it's surface level, but I also think the basics are deceptive. Because they they paint a picture of Jesus without depth. It's like looking at a a two dimensional object rather than a three dimensional object. It's it's deceptive. And yeah, it, I think you're right. There is a, a little bit of a of a there. It is deceptive in the sense that without putting Jesus in his place and in his time then we begin to interpret things or put onto his teachings things that come from our place and our time. Which, right. right. And Which is how we end up with a Democrat or a Republican Jesus, right? Exactly. Yes. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, now it's our culture affecting uh, the teachings of Jesus, right? And so we're trying to put Jesus into a box that we understand. Um, and that happens when we don't take the time to understand who Jesus actually is. Right. Because I'm forever telling church members, you can't define Jesus by the world that you 
live in. You can't, okay, I'll roll that back a little bit. You can't define the biblical Jesus who lived in Palestine by the world we live in. You know, like you take the woman at the well. Yeah. You know, well, why why won't the disciples talk to her? Why do the disciples think it's bad that Jesus is talking to her? You, 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 you can't understand why it's a bad thing that a Samaritan and a Jewish rabbi are talking w- without understanding something of that culture, right? Something of the, the rebuilding of Second Temple. And really what we're talking mm-hmm. about is the, fall, the, the world Jesus lived in was the culture of Second Temple Judaism. You know, and I just preached about this the other week. It basically that starts building in Ezra and Nehemiah's time. And goes, and we'll get more into this in another podcast, but that second temple time builds from Ezra and Nehemiah's time 400 years to when Jesus gets there, right? So there's a a 400-year rich culture at the arrival of Jesus that we sometimes completely ignore. And again, we will get into this because there's mm-hmm. other written documents, right? We we have the Dead Sea Scrolls and what, what has been found there about other Jewish communities. And then we also have other things we can understand about what it would have been like living in Palestine. We have archaeological finds as well. And, and all those things go into there, you know. So I think culture does matter and understanding, you know, culture matters. Mm-hmm. Because maybe there's two Jesuses when I think about it this way. There's, well, maybe there's multiple versions of Jesus. We have to find, we have to figure out which Jesus we're looking for. There's the Jesus from our culture that we impose on the Bible. There's the Jesus from his culture that he really actually historically, factually lived in that the Bible does tell us about. (laughs) But even that Jesus, the Jesus that was, is not fully the Jesus that is, because that right. was the Jesus of eternity living within a culture of that time, which isn't what Jesus would live like if he was here in 2021, mm-hmm. or if he had been, you know, in, in the 1700s when the Protestant Reformation was going on, right? So there's there's the cultural Jesus that lived within a context of a culture, mm-hmm. but that's not the fullness of Jesus who is also the eternal person who has yeah. always been there. So the Jesus we find in the gospel is the, is, is the Jesus who subjugated himself to the culture of Palestine in order to save his people. And if we can't understand the Jesus that subjugated himself to the culture of Palestine, we won't be able to see who Jesus truly is in his glorified form. Mm-hmm. Or his eternal form, like when he appears to John in Revelation. Yes, I was just going to say that, right? You know, right. yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, the Jesus that we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yeah, that's really Jesus. That is the actual, literal, historical Jesus, you know, and yet Jesus is more than that. Exactly. He is more than that because because when John sees him in Revelation, John's like, whoa, who is this dude? (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't even he he didn't immediately recognize him as Jesus. Right. Right. Um, And and so uh, so again, yes, that is actually Jesus. But Jesus is more than that. And I think 
I think um, as people who study the Bible, you know, a lot of times we get caught up, right? Mm -hmm. We can get caught up in diving into the history and the culture and the language that Jesus um, experienced when he was on earth. And we turn that into the end all be all of who Jesus is. But at the end of the day, borrowing uh, some language from Paul, right? The word of God is living and active, right? Right. And, and so there is more to that Jesus that we experience as we study, as we experience Jesus in the Bible, as we experience him as a product of his time, but also as we experience him as our savior and the one who leads and guides us and his church in the 21st century. Jesus is more than that. Right. Um, and so when we put it all together, yeah, we, we get a better understanding of Jesus. But even then, he is more than that. And we won't fully grasp who Jesus is until we, we get to eternity. So for the sake of our listeners today, you know, we did mention that we went to the same university at the same time. We, we had classes together. We were in the same exegesis class. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had uh, Dr. Leatherman as our teacher, and and we had a textbook, and the textbook was called Grasping God's Word. Do you remember that textbook? Yep. I still have it in in the bookshelf here behind me, someplace. Me too. Yeah. So there was this this picture in this textbook of our exegesis, and for those who don't know the word exegesis, that just means how you pull truth out of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So it was just a class on how to read the Bible in its original languages, basically. Um, And it had this picture and it showed an ancient world on one side and a modern world on the other. And it showed a river going through those two worlds and then a bridge going over the river. Yeah, Jesus is not just what he was in the ancient world. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is not just what we need him or want him to be in the modern world. But what we're attempting to do is use that bridge, which the book would call the principle of Bible study, mm-hmm. to understand the fullness of who Jesus is. I'll try to put that picture in the show notes. Um, I have a there's a website that will link to this and people can go and see pictures. That- um, you know, but but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus speaks to our world today. And, uh, and, and, and so that is, that is that principalizing bridge, right? What Jesus said 2000 years ago has a context and we can understand that context, right? But it also speaks to us today. And that's the difference between the words of Jesus and the words of any other historical figure for a Christian is that we believe that Jesus has relevance today. And what he taught back then can also make a difference in our lives today. So the fact that he's real, the fact that he's a story, the fact that the gospel accounts of him are trustworthy, which we're going to get into with, with another guest as well, on the fact that the gospel accounts are trustworthy, and the fact that we can study those gospel accounts is not all there is to the real Jesus. The real Jesus is an eternal being that has always been with God and has always led his people from the beginning until the end, for which we are someplace in that stream of time. So we study the ancient Jesus from the Gospels and the culture of the ancient Jesus in the Gospels to unlock eternal wisdom 
about the actual being who is Jesus Christ, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, Yeshua, Jesus who saves his people, the, the co-eternal Jesus, right? Yes. The logos, <laughs> as, as John put it, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If all of this seems like or sounds like a lot of hard work to dig into the historical Jesus, to dig into the history of Palestine, to dig into the rich history of the Hebrews, let me just remind you of our ongoing motto and name. Jesus is worthy of simply our devotion. If there's one person worth putting the work in for, putting the study into, and examining the life and culture of, Jesus is worthy. He simply is our devotion. I am so excited about this season, season two, of Simply Devotion and having John join me as we dive deep into knowing Jesus on personal levels like never before. Come with us as we journey to the kingdom to see our Simply Devotion. You have been listening to a podcast produced by simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, read our blog, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that jazzy promotional stuff. But remember, I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you when life throws a monkey wrench at your head. Jesus is still the logo, the reason, the logic, the word that builds your life back all the way to the kingdom of God. Until next time, God will be blessing you. See you at the next podcast.